Aren't you glad it's Christmas? I mean, it's here. You're going to have all kind of fun this week. You're going to not wait until the kids get back in school this week. It's going to be awesome. And I'm so glad that you gave us a little bit of your time on Sunday morning here at Sugar Hill Church. Uh, my name is Chuck, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here. And I'll promise you, this is just a really great church. And I love this church dearly. So thanks for being with me. This is week four in this four-week series called The Great Gift Exchange. And, and in this exchange, we've talked a little bit at the beginning of each week about some good trades and some bad trades. When I was in third grade, I, uh, my dad owned a Napa auto parts place. And it was in North Kingstown, Rhode Island. And I had a stack of decals about this tall. I mean, I had Quaker State, you know, and Pennzoil, Champion, Wix filters. I mean, you name it, Purolator. I had them all. Well, I had this kid named Stuart that was in my class, and Stuart had a really cool pocket knife. Pocket knife probably cost about 10 bucks at that time, so it was a pretty big deal for a kid in third grade, you know? And this was back in the day when you could carry a packed pocket knife to school. I mean, you do it now, you are going to get arrested. But, uh, but in those days, the only damage we did with pocket knives was to ourselves trying to open them. And so I wanted Stuart's knife in a worse way. So uh, I carved out about uh, six or seven of those decals and uh, said, hey, I'll trade you these decals for your pocket knife. Now, Stuart, wasn't, he wasn't the brightest bulb in the chandelier, so he was like, yeah, okay. So I swapped these things out. I got the pocket knife from dinner that night, and I'm thinking to myself, my dad is going to look at me like my son, the great trader. He's going to be awesome. He's going to play the markets and take care of me when I'm old. Well, A, that didn't happen, but B, my dad looked at me and said, come here. Now, when my dad said, come here, it was kind of like you're sitting in third period and the principal comes over the loudspeaker and says, Chuck Allen, would you come to the office? Nothing good is going to happen when your dad looks at you and says, come here. So he brings down, he said, let me ask you, son, what, what kind of trade was that? You didn't do anything to earn those decals, not one thing. The only reason you got those decals is your daddy owns a business and I get these decals for free. Now, was it fair for you to trade what you got for free for something that costs that kid something to have that knife? I thought for a minute and I thought, this is a test. And I said, dad, yes, it was a great trade. It cost me nothing and I got something for nothing. He said, well, tomorrow you're going to trade even more of nothing and give back that something. And I was thinking to myself, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so sure enough, the next day I went back and I gave him more decals and I said, the knife's probably worth more decals. Well, later on that week, my dad figured out that I had not done what I was told to do. And my dad, listen, when, when, you, when I got a spanking from, your, from my dad, he wasn't playing I mean, my dad did not give me the evil eye and send me to time out, I'm telling you. I mean, when my dad decided to wear you out, I mean, he wore you out. So when he got done with that, I thought to myself, now I've paid something for the knife. <laughs> you know, there are some lessons you just don't learn over time. But you know, there were a couple other great deals. You know, several years ago, there's a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald. He started with a red paper clip about that big. After 14 trades, this guy had a small house. I mean, this has really happened. I mean, this is a guy that somehow went from a paperclip to a house. Well, th then there's also bad trades, like the Boston Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees for $100,000. Could I just hear oopsies? 
I mean, come on, what in the world? Or how about the guy in 2007, he, this guy is digging a frog pond in his backyard. Now, A, why does anybody want frogs in their backyard? But he's digging a frog pond. And while he's digging, he found a jar where he was digging that had inside of it 80 U.S. double eagle gold coins, and it was worth $132,000. How many of you are digging frog ponds this afternoon? Yeah, I know, that's pretty cool. But you know, most of us listening today online or in the building, most of us are a part of the most lopsided trade of all time because we are, by our nature, ungrateful, ungodly, unrighteous folks. Now, you see, Chuck, I didn't come on a Christmas Sunday for you to bark at me. Well, I promise you, I'm not, I'm not doing any barking today, all right? But I do want to discuss the greatest trade that ever happened. Because, you see, over in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 25, we see this trade at work. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Now, we're still get busy about this today. I mean, how many of us have worshiped the tradition of Christmas more than we have the Christ of Christmas? How many have worshiped the church more than we have the God that the church created? I said that backwards. You know what I mean. But how many of us have also, at times, worshiped tradition in the church more than the God that we're supposed to worship? You see, I think there are times when we trade the truth about God for our version of a lie. This series, this great gift exchange started with the trade of our stress for his strength, for our mess, for his message, our fear for his faith, and finally today, our sin for his son. Now, it's, it's a great trade, us and Jesus, our sin for God's son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you read this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we might be made right with God through Christ. Now, you say, well, Chuck, I, I, I didn't get that completely. Well, let me read it to you again. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, to be made right with God is beyond our human capacity. I don't have it, you don't have it. And because of our sin, we're at odds with God. Now you say, well, Chuck, I, I don't understand. Why is it that religion seems to fly in the face of my belief system day after day after day? And that's because Christ didn't come into that stable that you might have a religion. Christ came into that stable that you might find righteousness found only in a relationship with him. You see, here's the challenge. You and I, all the way back to our ancestors, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were not in the garden, and after they messed up and let sin entered into that perfection, they didn't huddle up naked in the woods and say, we need a plan. That's not how it worked. I mean, God decided that he was going to be about redeeming people like me and you that needed that redemption plan. And we couldn't put the plan together. There had to be a way that was made for us to be rescued and reconciled with our creator. So let's give some context to the how that this is done. First, this trade, this exchange was God's idea. 
This isn't our idea. This is God's idea. God looks at us and has this overwhelming love for you. And you say, well, Chuck, there's no way God could love me. You don't know what I've been about this week. But see, it doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't matter. God's idea was that he wanted to ensure, like Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now watch this. This is how it works. It's kind of like my, de my decals for Stuart's knife. He had something of value that I wanted, but I had nothing worth trading for according to my dad. And when I gave up nothing, I knew he had to give up something. But now watch this. If I stacked over here and I could have an infinite stack of everything I have ever done that was wrong. How many of you sometime this week, maybe you, you got angry and something came out of your mouth you wish it hadn't? How many of you this week were in a situation where you had to tell a little white lie to make sure the person across the room from you, were, they, they just kind of handled it okay? How many of us on 285 did something, said something, thought something, and wished something that we hadn't have done? Yeah, I, right? So the problem is none of us are perfect. How many times have you heard that? Well, nobody's perfect. Nothing's been more true said in the world than nobody's perfect. For all of us have sinned and we've come short of God's righteousness. Now watch this. The exchange that God offers for us is in the midst of our sin, somebody has to pay a price for us breaking God's rules. There's a price that has to be made, that has to be paid. Well, we don't have the means to do it because we're not perfect. There's no perfection. We humans had no way to, for this reconciliation because of this. Are you ready? Because we are dead in sin. Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter two, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, we could stop right there and say, that's me. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of, in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, I want you to notice this. This text says something overwhelmingly powerful. And this is the part that I believe at Christmas time, more than any other time, we need to grasp. And that is, Jesus came and was born and laid in that manger designed for animals to eat of. He stepped into a world of poverty and hate and destruction and filth. But watch this. As he grew and lived perfectly and sinlessly, Jesus didn't go to the cross because of fickle people turning on him, though they did. Jesus didn't go to the cross because manipulative religious leaders, though they were. He did not go to the cross because Jesus betrayed him, though he did. He didn't die because an angry, unruly mob intimidated a Roman governor into sentencing him to crucifixion, though they did. Jesus went to the cross as the part of God's plan to reconcile sinful people like you and like me. Jesus came so that we could have life, but we could only have life because of his death. You say, well, now, now Chuck, I, that, that's just brutal sounding. Well, now, now watch this. I want you to understand that he was delivered over to death by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You see, here's what happens in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our selfishness, in the midst of, of this sin-filled world, 
a loving God sent his son to take the punishment we each deserve. And it had to have happened in such a way that all the wrath of God was placed on Jesus as he took on all the sin of the world. In Acts chapter 2, you get this glimpse of what that great exchange really was. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. You say, no, 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 Chuck. No, no. I'm just bird and bub and thumper from Sugar Hill, Georgia. I had nothing to do with that. Well, now watch this. This is what the scripture is teaching us. That was the beginning and the end of this great exchange. You see, yes, he was born into poverty, but he lived a sinless, perfect life. And as he grew into his ministry, he healed people and he preached the gospel of what was about to happen. He gave his life willingly and shed his blood on a cross and was buried in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, he arose from the dead and he blew that stone out of the way. And as he walked out, he walked out and hung around here for about 40 days teaching and preaching. And now he sits beside the right hand of God the Father, creating a home in heaven for all those who would believe. And as we begin to recognize, we begin to know that that plan was designed for us. It wasn't just designed for people 2,000 years ago. And it wasn't just designed for us. Should the Lord tarry in his coming, it'll be there for people 2,000 years from now. Because what we know is this, the beginning and the end always is. He always has been, he always will be. The exchange sin for the son of the living God was God's plan for Jesus to take our sin upon him and then to punish his own son in our place. Jesus took on every sin-filled thought of selfishness, sin, and wickedness. He took on every contemptuous thought every lust-filled thought, every gossip, unforgiving heart, and evil, vile action of this entire universe. And he took it all, stacked it all on his shoulders. And when they said, but you're not guilty, what was his response? But I came here in love. I've done this for them. We weren't and we aren't in any possible way in the driver's seat in this. There is nothing we can do. You say, well, okay, I've blown it. Let's ask God to kill his son so that we can live. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, the Bible is Waterford crystal clear that because of our sinfulness, we didn't want to be made right as we would have to come face to face with our desperate need of a savior. You know what the gospel does to me when I look in the mirror? The gospel says to me, Chuck, that's offensive. We live in a world today where we get offended about everything. We get offended about somebody's post on Facebook and we think it's war, so we just fight back. We get offended at the guy who wears a hat in church and get weirded out about that. We get freaked out of people that sing one kind of song and not another kind of song. And we Christians have a way of eating our young on social media because we can't wait to find somebody else that we can look at and say, but I'm better than you. You know, at Christmas time, above all times, it's a time to recognize blowing somebody else's candle out does not make our shine brighter. Ever. I want you to listen to what the book of Romans says in chapter 5. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Yeah. Secondly, listen, Jesus got all of our sin, all of it. Second Corinthians, again, it says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Unthinkable unimaginable, the most lopsided exchange of all time, an entire life worth of sin, and he who never sinned gave his life for our sin. 
you say, but Chuck, I'm a good person. I, I'm not here to question whether you're good or bad. I, I'm here to bring you the good news of great joy for all mankind, that because we are all sinners, Jesus came on that first Christmas. And because according to Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of God's glorious standard, we're in need of a Savior. And the Savior came for you. The Savior came for me. The Savior came for Christmas. Our inability to really struggle to understand this shows how finite our human brains are. We can't comprehend human perfection. Imagine someone who doesn't ever sin. Now, I know people that are incredibly good people, but I'll promise you they're sin-filled. I know folks who come to church and act like they're perfect, but then go out there and prove they're not. By the way, sometimes I'm one of them. But listen, because Jesus never sinned, he is and was and will always be the only way because without the shedding of his blood, there's no forgiveness and no remission of sin. First Peter 2.22, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Now that deceived word, I want you to put this in the context that sometime this week when somebody asks you a question, but you don't want to tell them the truth to their face and you tell a white lie, that's what we're talking about on the deception. When, when you tell a story that engrandizes something in your life so that you can get up better and standing with somebody else, that's what we're talking about. You see, the sacrifice had to be perfect. The Lord Jesus and all of the Lord Jesus and nothing but the Lord Jesus is precisely the answer to the problem. All because he was to be the great exchange. God the Father sent God the Son to provide a way for us to become righteous in his eyes. You say, well, Chuck, but I don't feel like I'm righteous. Here's the good news, you're not. You can look in the mirror this evening when you brush your teeth, get ready to go to bed. You can be there and you can search for righteousness, but there's only one place you're gonna find it. And by the way, it's the only thing that we offer this world. It's the only thing I offer this world. Are you ready? It is the righteousness of Christ which dwells within me, not me. And by the way, the only righteousness you offer this world is the presence of Christ at work in you, not you. And you see, this is why it's the greatest exchange of all time. Isaiah 53 made it so clear. Listen to what the prophet said years, hundreds of years before Jesus showed up on the scene. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. Listen to me. the tree and stockings filled with goodies. The only reason you will celebrate Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only thing we offer this world that matters. You know what? Here God assigns all of our sin to Jesus. Sometimes I just don't think we recognize that. 
Sometimes I, th- I think it's so easy, especially in a day where we can post anything on Facebook and we can hide behind any name on a keyboard and, and we just kind of go off and make sure that somebody knows that we think right because there's no way they could think right. We live in a day-to-day where it's not just politics, it's also faith. It's not just, it's not just city government, it's not just state government, it's not just this government here in, in the United States, it's international. All that we're doing is fighting with one another. All we're doing is bickering with one another. All we're doing is proving our unrighteousness. That's all we're proving. Next time you get in a fight over, over, over Facebook somewhere, here's what I want you to remember. Are you joining the crowd that Proverbs speaks to that says, don't argue with a fool? The only person that argues with a fool is a fool. So I guess what I'd say to you, do you see your sin in this? I, while I was writing this sermon a few weeks ago, I, I kept thinking to myself, I can see my sin in this, that I am so bad that God poured out his wrath of damnation on Jesus to fix me. By the way, he did the same thing for you. You say, well, Chuck, I'm no preacher. Well, honestly, you've heard me. I'm not either. But I will tell you this, man, living and residing within me is Jesus, the son of the living God who came with forgiveness and righteousness so that when I stand before God, here's what I know that I know that I know that I know that I know, that it won't be my righteousness on trial, it will be the righteousness of Jesus Christ that I accepted into my life and I knew that that Christmas meant something more than a baby and a tree, it meant righteousness was mine for the asking and I could stand before God and know this exchange was God's plan for me. If Jesus had come to earth just long enough to die for our sins, would that have been sufficient? I don't think so. Because Christ also lived a perfect life for us on our behalf for us. Can you imagine the beating and the scourge he took? And he, he, he did it willingly for me and for you. You say, well, Chuck, I could fix this. How, how can you do this? You can't. How can I live this life? You can't. How can I be perfect? You can't. I mean, you, you are like me, we're in a mess. We needed a plan and God came along and said, I'm gonna send my son, think about that. God himself said to Jesus, the son of God, go down there and be born of a virgin. And by the way, there's no palace. You're gonna be, be in a barn with animals and I'm gonna lay you in swaddling clothes, the picture of, 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 of poverty. And I'm gonna lay you in a manger designed for cows to eat out of. And then you're gonna have to escape persecution and you're gonna have to wander around with mom and dad. And then when you're 12, you're gonna show up at the temple and you're gonna blow people's mind because you're God, son. And all this time, you gotta be perfect. You gotta be perfect with your thoughts. You gotta be perfect with your acts. You gotta be perfect with your voice. You gotta be perfect. And even in great temptation, when you're starving to death and when you need attention, you gotta be perfect. And by the way, you're going to do all that so an angry mob can beat you and pluck your beard out and place a crown of thorns on you and hang you on an old tree. And they're going to put you in a borrowed tomb. They're going to wrap you up and set you on a piece of rock. But son, three days later, I'm telling you, Easter's going to happen. And you're going to arise on that third morning and you're going to blow off those burial robes 
You're going to walk up to that several ton rock and you're going to speak it out of the way, the way I spoke this world into creation. And it's going to be like, and that rock's gone and you're going to teach and preach for about 40 more days. And then, and still to this day, he's seated by the right hand of Father God, creating a home in heaven for all those that would say, that's what Christmas is about. That's what Christmas is about. Listen, this exchange we've been about, I could sum it all down in the last four weeks into these brief statements. You ready? My positive sinfulness is like a bag of trash. The scripture says the good that I do in my own power, it's like filthy rags. Christ's positive righteousness is like a ticket. I can't get into heaven with a bag of trash. Not only that, I need a ticket. And the problem is there's no ticket reseller I can buy it from. I can't buy it from the church. I can't buy it from the Pope. I can't buy it from the pastor. I can't buy it from the prophet. How do I get the ticket? And Jesus says, all that sin that's stacked up in your life, I want to walk over and pick it up and take it out of you. And I want to swap it for my goodness, my righteousness, my perfection. And I want to swap it because I gave my blood and my body that you could have perfection and righteousness. That someday when you stand before God, it won't be on you, it'll be on me. You see, we all need something to get into heaven. Now watch this. We don't need to do something to get into heaven, but we need something. And what we need is righteousness. We typically think of Christ taking our our trash away, but we forget the ticket. All my bad, all your bad for all of God's good. My sin for Christ's righteousness, my failures for God's perfection. This is the great gift exchange of all time. All my sin for all of God's son. God grants and credits to every believer, every follower of Jesus, the perfect satisfaction, the wonderful righteousness and the holiness of Jesus himself. As if we had never sinned, as if we had never been a sinner, as if we had perfectly obedient as Jesus was obedient for us. You say, now I need that. And you know what I'd say? You doggone right you do. And so did I. And you know, listen up. It's essential to the heart of this great exchange to insist that God declares us to be just or righteous, not on the basis of our actual condition, not on the fact that uh, that we have righteousness or holiness, but rather on the basis of Jesus's perfect righteousness, which he wants to share with us by coming into our life. When Christ lived that perfect life, we followers of Jesus got to do that in his footsteps. And when Jesus died on the cross, our sin died on that cross. We should always look first at what Jesus did as our representative before looking at him as our example, because that's what makes him our savior. That's what makes him our Lord. We can never grow cold to this wonderful truth of this great exchange. It is in the death of Jesus on the cross that this wonderful exchange happens. That baby that came, came to die for you. So let us thank God for sending the selfless sin bearer to take on himself all our sins in the exchange for this son. Won't you take this exchange today?
Won't you trade your sin for his son? Let's pray. Father, today, this exchange is so clear. It is the exchange of all exchanges. It's the trade of all trades. That because of your perfection, we can find forgiveness. Because of your death, we can claim life. Because of your righteousness, we can claim friendship with God. God, I'm grateful for the Christmas season, but I'm really grateful why you came for that Christmas season. God, we can sing joy to the world because of you. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, listen, friend, maybe today you'd say, Chuck, I know it's a Sunday before th- for Christmas. I know we got a million things to do. I got, I got parties and places to go. But friend, listen, for just a minute, would you be willing to say, Chuck, I, I need that righteousness. I need that trade in my life. How do I make that trade? Well, the Bible says it's this simple, that you just call on the name of the Lord. He didn't say join a church. He didn't even say go to church. He didn't say get baptized. He didn't say walk an aisle. He didn't say you had to cry. He didn't say you had to shout. He said call on the name of the Lord. You say, well, Chuck, listen, I'm, I don't do this church thing and I don't, I don't know what calling on the name of the Lord is. It sounds like church talk and I don't know what to do. Well, it's this simple. Calling on the Lord sounds just like this prayer. And if you want to join me, In this prayer, you can say it silently in your heart right now. Jesus, I need this exchange. Because you can forgive me, I want to trade all my sin for you. I want to live for you. I want to turn around and stop living for me. I want to live for you. And Jesus, thank you that you came and you were born for me. And Jesus, thank you that you died for me. And Jesus, thank you that you were buried for me. And Jesus, thank you that you rose from the dead for me. And so I take you as my Lord and my Savior. Man, people aren't looking around, but I want to ask you if that's what your prayer was today. I want to ask you to, I'm not going to make it easy on you. I I don't want you to slip your hand up where nobody sees. I want to ask you if you prayed that prayer with me today or you want to solidify that in your life today, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Just stand up, anybody. All it takes is somebody to get going. I guarantee you there are people in this room that said, that's me, count me in, amen. Somebody else, amen. Somebody else, is that your prayer today? Amen. Anybody else, that's your prayer today. Come on, stand up. Don't, Don't be chicken, amen. Amen. Anybody else, come on. Don't, listen. Jesus didn't die in a closet. He died out on a hill for you. He died where everybody can see you. He wasn't hiding. He stood for you. Would you stand for him? Amen. 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 This is the message of Jesus. This is the message of Christmas. This is why he came. For you. He came for you. Everybody join these folks. Come on, everybody stand. Everybody join these folks. Listen, I I love y'all. Man, I love this church. I am the most blessed pastor on the planet. And I'm so grateful that you let me say Jesus is the only way. 
And I get to see people every week say, I agree. And that blesses my heart. So today, when you get ready to go out there and fight the world for everything you gotta get done between now and Wednesday, I mean, when things go crazy in your life, just know this, when you go out here with Christ, let him go before you and make your way straight. Let him take that crooked path and straighten it out because that's what he does. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment, even in the mess of this season. You know why? Because he is always good. And listen, friend, you are always loved. And in the days where it feels like everything is falling apart and everybody's against you, man, just know Jesus wants to come along and bend over his hands on his knees so you can hop up on his back and wrap your arms around his big, strong shoulders. But listen to me, he's not gonna walk you around that mess. He's gonna walk you through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so that you can hear your savior, that little baby that came, that died for you and rose for you, say to you, eyeball to eyeball, my child, say it with me, I love you. Merry Christmas. Go in peace.